White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter, Ecknerwall23, and a lot of you have and interacted with me tonight. It's great. Thank you. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. Our show is at Locked On Sox. Follow us there on Instagram and Twitter, and if you go to YouTube, Hit Locked On Socks and follow us there. Or hit the notifications bell so you know when we drop a uh, video. So, so, so subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want to leave us a voicemail, and we've had a couple of those during this very upsetting loss to the Tigers 5-2, to 312-566-8727 is the way you can reach us on voicemail. And if you want to send us an email, it is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Without any further ado, it is Chris Tannehill. Chris, uh, man tough one tonight it really was a tough one my daughter who was six had a loose tooth tonight she's bleeding at the mouth as this game was going on and any parent out there will tell you they wish they could switch places with their child who is in pain and uh, having an uncomfortable situation and i will tell you after watching that white Sox game tonight i'd rather be bleeding at the mouth uh, than have to sit through another game like that folks um i swear to god that's what happened uh Sox, uh on the receiving end of five errors from the detroit tigers last night and uh, before we get into the show on the road here Sox lose five to two to the Tigers Sox fall to 12 and 10 on the young season Detroit improves to eight and 16 uh, this year the locked on podcast network is partnering with the draft network to cover the NFL draft live get insight and analysis from locked on local experts and the draft networks national experts subscribe to the locked on NFL YouTube page to watch the live three-day coverage of the NFL draft April 29th through May 1st. All right. So without talking much, Herb and I don't text much during the game in order to keep things fresh uh, during our post-game recaps here. And, um, you know, there's two schools to, to, to look at this at this ball game, and I, and I think we will find a ton of middle ground here. Um, this is clearly a winnable game for the White Sox. They did not put out their best effort tonight. They were on the receiving end of those five errors. They hit into a ton of double plays, and we'll talk about some of the at-bats tonight uh, as we you know, break down this one. Um, and also, uh, what can also be true, at least the way I see it here, and you may disagree, you know, they could not perform well, and you know, Urania could have a nice outing, which he did, and we'll get to him in a second too, but you can have those things happen, but also have your manager not help you win that ball game. Now, I know you disagree. You think managers don't matter, and generally we see this the same way. Uh, it's it's the players that will decide the outcomes of the games all the time, but I just believe tonight Tony La Russa did not put the White Sox in the best position to win this ball game late particularly. This is not counting all the, the double plays and, and you know the terrible at-bats. From the seventh inning on, Tony La Russa did not put his team in a good position tonight to win. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, you could say that. And and my statement is managers don't matter that much in wins and losses. People put the weight and the scale 
on managers is the 50-50 proposition with the players, and I'm not even close. No, yeah. You can maybe give a 5% of loss. If you're going to divvy this up, 5% loss on Tony. Yeah, he wasn't optimal tonight. He wasn't the greatest tonight. But as we all saw, they left 26 collective people on base, and I know that's impossible, but if you add up all the numbers of the players, they left 26 on, on base collectively and went 0 for 13 with runners in scoring position. Reached base five times on five errors. Well, five errors were committed, and the White Sox reached base five times on those. And that's how they scored their runs, too. So I don't know how somebody can look at that game and come away with fire for Tony Lewis. You could say, hey, man, Tony wasn't optimal. He was not great. But with if you're looking looking at all that whole complete game and you you narrow it down to Tony Larusa losing the game, I don't like I don't know how, how you watch baseball. The White Sox had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to do things, and you're gonna say, "Oh, he's a sinker ball pitcher. He did his job." Yeah, but it's the White Sox job to not let him do that to counter that. If it was so easy, and if this is Urania's job, he would be a better pitcher. That's why he's on a second team, because he's not consistent. This is why he's his first win of the year, because he's not consistent. Some people have been getting to him. The White Sox did not execute their at-bats this, this evening. That's the main reason why they lost. They scored two runs. If you score two runs in a game, you don't deserve a win any game, any major league game. I don't want to, like, I understand the Tony Russo thing, and I understand there's a central focus on the manager. And... Folks, you know me. I can give a damn if Tony LaRusso was the manager of this team or not. And that's what I'm talking about. If it was Tony LaRusso, Robin Ventura, Ricky Renteria, Jerry Manuel, Terry Bevington, it doesn't matter. We're always going to blame some fucking powerless figurehead. I call managers pretty much like Queen Elizabeth. They have some power, but they really don't have anything to, to tell a motherfucker to, to do something. Like, mm-hmm. They're a monarchy, but there's nothing really there for them. No one's really listened to them. Like if Queen Elizabeth says something to Canada, they got to just like st- stand up real quick. But they ain't really listening to her and shit. Like, yeah, it's cool that you're here and all, but, you know, you ain't running me. And that's what Tony Larusa is. He's just a, power- a powerless figurehead. So let's stop putting the pressure and the blame on him. Let's focus it over to those dudes in the jerseys who really cost us the game. A hundred percent. Well, Tony wears a jersey as well. I know what you mean, but I think that there's plenty of blame to go around here with this one tonight. Let's just, yeah, I, I can't sit here in good faith and, and uh, have you say that it's only five percent. If you're talking about generally speaking, a five percent managerial responsibility for wins and losses or whatever, you know, whatever the number you said it was, five percent, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Or, very, okay. Very. Yeah, but tonight, I, would you be willing to go higher, just a little no. bit higher? No, it's the same, no matter what. It's, it's I think, binary. Like, like tonight was the highest thing it could be. Like twenty. I mean, it, it's not even. I don't know. No, okay. like the players are like, no matter what happens, and he puts in guys, they have to execute. Those are the players' positions, and you could talk about the lineup construction, and I talk about it all the time, but it's negligible in a three sixty or one sixty two. I just think that. We have to focus what these guys did on the field, and they lost the game. We put way too much pressure, and we're already talking about it way too much right now, on the manager. 
like we said, and I said, I've say consistent guys. I don't like the person, but the damn, I'm not going to give him any shine for any wins or any blame for any loss. Cause I think he doesn't have any, he doesn't have much blame. And if it is, it's negligible. So I'm not a blame the manager guy typically, but that's exactly the case I'm going to lay out for you right now. I think this was Tony's worst managed game of the year. That's lousy managing. And, and I'll tell you why. And it's not guessing after the fact. It's not second guessing. When you see this thing play out in front of you, uh, this this game was a winnable game. This is a game that could have been won two to one. It's a slim margin for error, no doubt. And, you know, Hendricks could have came in and, and blew the game in the ninth. You know, you just never know when you're working on that slim margin for error when your offense is that piss poor as they were last evening. But you, you, this game was lost in the, the seventh inning. You know, uh, Giolito's allowed to go back out there, uh, 97 pitches. He gets ahead of Castro 0-2, and then Castro works himself back into the at-bat and ends up drawing the leadoff walk. And to me, like sitting there watching at home, that's a red flag for a guy because already he's uh, up near over 100 pitches at that point. And it's a guy who, you know, you don't know what's going on with the finger. Yes, he is on extra rest from from the last start, and he didn't pitch long in that last start. I get all that, but let me tell you this also for context. So Giolito ends up throwing 114 pitches tonight. He's only thrown more pitches once in his entire career. That was last September against the Indians where he threw 119. So 114 is tied for his second most pitches. So typically he's not one of those guys, especially in a, in a, in a 162 in April. I'm just not a fan of having your guy out go out there and, and wear it after he doesn't get that leadoff man out. So he gets the two quick outs after that, and we'll hear from Tony LaRusso in a second. But you know, I think at that point, anyone who was watching the game would be like, "All right, Lucas is kind of faltering a little bit." Whenever you give up that leadoff walk, it's 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 a red red flag to me. And you saw Hoyer was warming up, so the the thought process was there for Tony to have your best uh, relief pitcher out there warming up. But I just don't know why he didn't deploy him. As a matter of fact, Cody Hoyer never even got in the game, and I realized by the time Lucas was done, and by the time Tony was done with them, uh, they were down. So there's no real reason to have Cody Hoyer in the game at that point. But some could argue. I'm not uh, smart enough to do it, but some could argue if you have him up and warming, you might as well put him in the pitch and try to get out of the inning. Uh, but anyway, so the game was lost when uh, when Badu he gets new life, you know, after a really good at bat, frankly, against Giolito, and then he gets the benefit of Moncada misplaying the uh, the foul ball. Uh, eventually retires him, so he's Lucas is at 106 pitches at that point. Um, with one out in the seventh, you got the Ramos RBI double following that. And then the, the Goodroom two-run homer, and Giolito's and still out there, man. Uh, he gives up the walk to Grossman, and then finally he's pulled after 114 pitches. I just don't see how, you know, even in, in the moment during the broadcast, Jason and Stoney were talking about, why is he still out there? I texted you, why is he still out there? It just It's a baffling move to me when you, you're supposed to have this all-world bullpen, and it's not like you're behind by one or tied. You're up by one. That's a situation where it would be clear to me to have your lockdown bullpen come in, especially after the off day yesterday when everyone should be uh, at well rest. Evan Marshall, who was, uh, did not appear in Sunday's game because he was at a funeral, you know, he's on extra rest, so I just don't understand the thought process there. Are you willing to see what my, my, my logic is in that, anyway, and, and, you know, at the very least? I see what everybody's logic is, and I want people, yeah, I understand that they have a beef with Tony, and I'm not saying Tony is faultless, but if we're talking about we got to put how many pieces on this side that cost us to lose and how, and how many pieces on this side that cost us to lose on this side. 
I'm putting five things on Tony's side and 95 on the players because it every time that we focus on the wrong thing, we let these players escape. We let them escape responsibility. These are grown men playing a sport, a team sport, with, but individually. Like, I don't understand why we can't just say, man, it would be great if Jose Abreu didn't go 0 for 4 tonight and leaving five dudes on. That man, I know we're, we're, he's got a statue and he's all-knowing and he comes through more than he doesn't. But we, we don't talk about his two strikeouts today. We're talking about Tony Russa singularly. Like, I, what about Yasmani Grandal? No, yeah. There's, like, there's, this there's, is the man's run into two ground double plays. That Those are huger, much huger than anything Tony will ever do in a managing game. Yeah, let, and, let's highlight some of those, okay? So, you know, just going down the, from one through nine in the, in the batting order here, T.A. had a decent night. He was on base four times. He gets the leadoff walk uh, in, late in that game, and then he's caught stealing. You know, I don't know who called for that for that stolen base. T.A. hasn't been a guy to flex the wheels lately on the base pass, you know, on occasion. Um, but you're down two runs at that point. I don't know who called for that caught stealing. Uh, maybe we'll find out later from Tony. But that, that was a move that was kind of baffling, whether it was Tim deciding to do that rogue or that was coming from, from the manager. That doesn't make sense either way. That was bad decision making. Um, early in the game. Uh, Adam Eaton with his bad base running when, when you know the Sox were it's early but that run mattered a lot it turned out because there's bad base running off of that Moncada sacrifice situation the fly ball and Adam Eaton falls over himself uh, and he can't tag up like he put, put himself in a position where he couldn't have tagged up even if he wanted to and then he falls over so that's a run on the board that's taken away because you had two ground outs after that um, you know Moncada had an eh night. Uh, Abreu, like you said, the, the double plays, leaving five men on base. Yermin had a decent night. Uh, Grandal, two grounded uh, double plays tonight and you know d- drew the walk there late in the game. Uh, and we'll get to that inning there as well. But then, you know, Liuri up in a big spot. He grounded into a double play as well. Madrigal struck out on a bad pitch way outside the zone. Nicky two strikes. It was horrendous yeah. in his second at bat. Uh, in in an early big spot in that game where he just looked overmatched and that hasn't been the case lately so I think these players in my opinion they they've earned a, a little leeway in that regard that doesn't excuse them for a bad performance sometimes it happens in a 162 game season you're gonna have these nights once in a while but it gets to my second point could be third depending on how this caught stealing ends up resolving itself and who calls for that but a big spot in the game here herb is uh, late in this game in the in the Eighth inning, you get the rally going, right? You get the you get Grandal to walk, you get some guys on base, and all of a sudden the tying run is is up to hit, and you have Billy Hamilton up there. And when we, we talk about the putting the onus on the players, but when there are, in my opinion, better options available to you on the bench, then that falls on the manager because there's two guys. You have Hamilton striking out, and then up after Hamilton is Leori striking out, and those are two weak hitting left-handed hitters against a right-handed reliever and you have two number one first round picks on the bench with pop just sitting there and it gets back to this question we've been talking about here who is running this organization right now i know the manager is supposed to have complete autonomy once the game has begun but this is to me this is a case of I, I, just not knowing your personnel and zach collins is not a world beater neither is andrew vaughn andrew vaughn hasn't hit a, a big league homer yet but you got to get somebody in that situation up with some pop when you have the the tying run at the plate. Would you, would you agree or no? 
Yeah, you got to have some pop up there. But, I mean, while we're giving some blame to Tony Russo, I would say, who's putting these players there? Is that Tony LaRusso? No. That's the Rakan. That's the man with the Teflon suit. I say he, and that's why I give him more ire than any manager ever. He is more responsible for White Sox losses than Tony Russo ever will be or wins. So giving people Billy Hamilton or Jake Lamb is on Rick Hahn. You give, and I don't, I, I don't give a goddamn if he didn't hire Tony Russo. He had the opportunity, as I told him and everybody else, if you don't like it, leave. If you feel disrespected, bounce. But you staying means you're cool with it. You're smooth with it. So you take responsibility for all the things that happen afterwards. So this is on Rick Hahn. More than it's ever going to be on Tony La Russa. This guy, you know who you got. You know who this, who the man, the owner is, and you know who the manager is. Make it idiot proof. It's your job. If you don't like how he's managing, take the players away from him that he can't use. Make him have to use Zach Collins. Make him have to use Andrew Vaughn. I would love for these players to play because it's very frustrating for young players to get sporadic playing time. And if we're talking about Andrew Vaughn, he needs to play every day, no matter if it's here, down in AAA. So there's got to be a decision made when the AAA this season starts. So I would say, yeah, there's got to be some culpability for Tony Rooster. And I'm not saying he gets zero. But I'm saying if we're talking about wins and losses, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be that that guy who even gives any breath to him being the fault of the team. Yeah, and I think the Sox should have blown this one open early enough where this is not a, a sticking point. But when you're – it seems like with the Sox, if your starting pitcher is not going out there – uh, with with a, a top tier elite level performance and your bats aren't doing what they do, let's say if it's just an average night for both ends for the for pitching and the offense, you leave yourself a lot of wiggle room for the manager to to screw things up. That's just kind of the the way I see it here. But th- getting back to this spot, just this was just a bad look to have Liuri and and Billy Hamilton out there in a, in a high leverage spot with runners on base. Do you think uh, Rick Hahn's got to go out there and maybe? The, kick the tires on Cespedes for a little while because we don't know what's going on with Adam Engel. We haven't heard anything for about a week on Adam Engel. You still have Yasiel Puig out there, and I, I, I saw some reports a couple weeks ago about maybe him getting some vindication with uh, with the legal issue he was going through. I, I don't want to speak too much out of school on that one because I'm not incredibly informed on it, but it's something I saw in passing where he may be a viable option, and that's a guy who Tony has seen play, you would think. So I, are, is it time to maybe explore someone else? Because you need someone with a little life in their bat with some big league experience better than Leury and, and Billy Hamilton. And it, you know I was cool with Leury being on the team before the season, but when you, he's not having a good start to the season, and I know he could come through you come through for you later on, but – just right now in a winnable game, like there, there's got to be a better option out there. I mean, of course there is, but when you're Rick Hahn, you can skate with through life with <laughs> getting these garbage players all this time. Like we've seen Lurie Garcia play way too much time. We've seen this movie already. We've seen AJ Reed play a couple of years ago. And I love Nikki Delmonico as a person. Awesome. He played like five straight games last year when we had 60. Like starting in the lineup, Nikki Delmonico every day. It was weird. So this is not a weird thing for Rick Hahn. This is normal. 
he keeps on keeping this roster very thin with people he just depends on, like Lori Garcia. And I'm surprised that there's no uh, Yomer Sanchez on this team, or at least in the in the organization, because that's their blankie too. Once he gets released by a team, he's like, oh man, feels good to have Yomer back. Mm. Wrap that around, <laughs> wrap ourselves around with that Yomer blanket. It's his fault, man. Like, like we're losing games like this to the damn Tigers. Like, we set this up the other day. It's like everything's going the White Sox way here. You got beautiful weather. You got your ace on the bump. You got a struggling pitcher and a struggling team coming in. You're back at home. It's a nice homestand. And you lose. And I know the Luis uh, Robert thing is a tough blow today. Yeah, we didn't mention that. If you can't win a game without Luis Robert, where's this garbage Tigers team? You don't deserve to win. Yeah, let's mention that for those who may have missed it. And it was at the top of my notes list to get to at the very beginning, but I neglected that. So Luis Robert had uh, called Rick Hahn uh, or the coaching staff on Monday night saying he had flu-like symptoms. So we don't know what's going to happen there. Frankly, I don't even know what the protocol is there. I don't know if he's immediately 10-day IL'd uh, because of this, and it'll be retroactive if it turns out to be nothing. But I don't know what's going to happen with this, and hopefully we'll get an update about that tomorrow, and maybe it is just the flu, or maybe it's just a, a young guy and a miscommunication, you know, not knowing. Maybe it's allergies. You know, I got up to the elevator at work tonight, and there was this old couple, and one of, and the guy was like, Luis Roberts got COVID. I was like, no, it's he's got the flu-like symptoms. And the, the wife says, maybe it's allergies. Uh, so hopefully it's not the worst because you know it, they did miss his uh, his presence in the lineup tonight especially the way he had been hitting uh so we'll, we'll keep you updated that and ho- on that and hopefully we'll have more info uh tomorrow uh, during the show we'll take a quick time out and we'll hear from you your voicemails we'll also hear from tony la Russa, hopefully next here on locked on white Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Quick health update here from yours truly. Uh, Last time we touched base, I was down about eight pounds due to my new training and health regimen where I've given up a lot of the sugary treats that I used to enjoy and I've replaced them with Built Bars. And I'm down from eight pounds down down to 11 pounds pounds here on my fitness journey since February. So I'm very pleased at the success I've been having and it's all thanks to Built Bar. And granted, it's not only Built Bar. Built Bar doesn't make you lose weight, but what it does is it gives you a high protein snack with less calories. And if you're a chocoholic like I am, they're perfect because they are always covered in 100% chocolate. And I ordered my latest batch. It came in the mail last week. Herb ordered some for the office and that's come in so clutch for us at work and at home. As a matter of fact, do what I did. Sign up for the Built Bar email blast and they'll tell you when one of your favorite flavors returns. For example, tonight I got an email about how coconut brownie chunk returned. It was one of my favorite flavors. They sent me a a box of them just to try them out and by the time I went to order them a couple months back they were already sold out so Built Bar sent me an email said hey better get them before they're gone and that's what I did I went to Built Bar's website and ordered up 18 of the coconut brownie chunk they are so delicious a whopping 15 grams of protein and only 150 calories with just 7 grams of sugar Uh, part of my latest batch that I ordered as well Cherry Barcia 
cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, a new one that I've tried. I thought it would be too heavy. It's not. It's 180 calories. And check this out, a whopping 19 grams of protein and only five grams of sugar. To me, it doesn't get much better than that. Satisfies the sweet craving and keeps you full, keeps you energized, and keeps you held down until your next meal. Go to BuiltBar.com today and use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Uh, but should we hear from Tony? We've, we've spent enough time talking about him. Should we at least let him uh, speak on his own behalf tonight about his decisions uh, or lack thereof tonight? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here's uh, Tony LaRusso. This is uh, NBC Sports Chicago. We're taking this live. Position player is not very happy right now. Ruth Levine. Well, this is uh, the worst part of my job is Ooh. when I have to ask uh, <laughs> here we go, Bruce. the manager about something <laughs> that doesn't work out. But uh, uh, you Bruce. talk about once uh, the game was tied, what you were thinking with Lucas at that point. Sure, sure. I was confident he'd get the third out. I was confident he'd get the third out when Ramos came to bat. And after that, you know, I was confident he'd get the last out and the score would be two to two. You know, it was his inning uh, and uh, didn't turn out. I'm still confident. Who did he say? He, oh, he, he, he walked the leadoff man, though, by the way. So it wasn't yeah. just the third out. We'll continue. Gangs. You know, Lucas uh, just said he, he felt like he was didn't have much left in the tank that inning. Um, were there any indicators <laughs> of, of that from, from your view or anything you were trying to uh, – you were noticing in him uh, as that inning went on? Um, is that what he said? <laughs> Great yeah, communication. Said, uh, I didn't have much left in the tank. I asked him about the seventh. Well, and, that's, uh, and that's my fault for not recognizing because I looked at it. You know, he got the leadoff guy, which was, like, wasn't good, and he gets two outs. <laughs> Uh, at that point, like I said, I was confident to get the third out. All right, Herbie, that's uh, that's our manager for better or for worse. So the one thing that did uh, stick out to me there is uh, the the sort of lack of communication. If Lucas Giolito said that he wasn't feeling it in that seventh, and I don't know, maybe that's just a situation where you know he began to not feel it as much. But I, I don't think he would go out there. N- not feeling it to entering the inning un- unless the manager just never asked him how he was feeling. But uh, do you, is that a red flag for you, uh, like bad communication with player and manager? Yeah, that is very bad. Um, I mean, it is up to LaRusso, he's the leader, to know these things, to ask, to have this conversation with his pitching coach. Yep, Ethan Katz, hey. too, is involved. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, it's 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 his problem, too. I think that Tony failed in that regard. All right, so uh, the natives are restless tonight, and I think this is like you. This you're you're John Snow uh, facing the army here tonight because I have a feeling I know the directions these voicemails are, are going to be going in. Uh, so should we check in with the uh, with the natives here and listen to the voicemail? Let's do it. What's uh, how what how do they get a hold of us on the voicemail for those of the of you who have missed Herb's uh, uh, call solicitor at the beginning of the program? How can they get a hold of us every night uh, so they can appear on the show during a post game broadcast? It's easy as you made it up. Harold Baines, AJ Brzezinski, Mark Burley, Jorge Orta, uh, Vincent Edward Jackson, Bo Jackson, uh, Carlton Fisk, and Tim Anderson. That is three one two five six six eight seven two seven for you guys who want to leave. A voicemail. All right, let's see who's first in line tonight. Hey, this is Dan from Pittsburgh, PA. Pittsburgh. I thought that the one thing this old fucking manager could do was manage the pitching staff correctly, go to hell, 
you old-ass Hall of Famer baseball person. <laughs> wow, go to hell already from Pittsburgh. We'll be there soon. I'm going to bring back a Wani, a case of Iron City Light, I think. That's what I'm going to do. I'm looking forward to that Pittsburgh trip. i got to be honest with you. It's the only thing getting me through days like this, Herb. Uh, let's see who else is checking in here tonight. Chris and Herb, Mark in Litchfield Park, Arizona. Hi, Mark. Completely unacceptable today. Top to bottom. Bad decisions from the bench, bad lineup, bad choices with the pitching, just no performance at the plate, no patience at the plate, just awful against the worst team in baseball. Thanks, guys. I think we forget sometimes this. Uh, these things do happen in baseball season. All those things can be true. Offense could be poor, managing could be poor, and sometimes you will lose to the worst team in baseball. It just it just happens. Uh, let's wrap it up real quick here, uh, at least with the voicemails, with one more here. Hey, fellas, this is Fred from Avondale. Tonight was definitely very tough, very ugly game for both teams. It might be the Sox' worst loss of the year. It was a total team loss from not hitting with runners in the scoring position to some very questionable managerial moves. And I think we actually had our first public criticism of the manager by a player when Lucas Giolito was saying that he was definitely out of gas when he went back out there for the seventh. And then when LaRusa was asked, he had no idea what was going on, and he once again took blame. That's two times already at the start of the year. So not good. Hopefully we get them tomorrow. This is Detroit. These are the boys we're supposed to beat up on. Have a good night, fellas. Yeah, man, this sounds like quite a thing. I want to hear this in full context, and I don't have the access to this audio at right now, but if this turns out, I'll take a listen to the Lucas Giolito tape tonight or in the morning and mm-hmm. and and we'll we'll play it back tomorrow if, if there's something bigger to be made here but my gut just says like oh he started to lose it after the inning had already started and after he had already gotten to two outs and then he just lost it you know after the two out you know marker and there was no way for him to you know maybe your catcher comes out at that point and be like hey you know I never I don't recall Grandal going out there at any point after that, after the two outs have been recorded, and all of a sudden you give up the double uh, to to Ramos, and I don't I don't ever remember Yasmani coming out and giving the look towards the dugout like, hey, he's 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 done, Scoot, you know, Skip, he's done tonight. I don't remember seeing that. Do you? No, I don't. So I don't like. There, I don't know if you're supposed to have like a sixth sense that your uh, pitcher's done. Like I don't think the Tigers were necessarily squaring them up. Yes, he did walk the first batter and got two outs consecutively and he was not putting away. I forgot what the hitter was. It was a Badu. He wasn't yeah, putting Badu, away yeah. like, like he was supposed to. Um, so maybe there you could have, you know, pulled them, but I think this is just, just a new, it just roll the dice. Like, like I, something, if you're, if you're Lucas, you have to communicate that to your manager sometimes too. Like, I don't know if if LaRusso is supposed to just have a sixth sense for that, but he gets blamed for that because he is the manager. That is his job to remove the pitcher. So I need communication between the two of the guys. Like, if you thought you were done, you got to say, hey, I'm done. I got to be out. I'm and, out. Yeah, and I'll, my last thing about Tony tonight, I, I think that in, in, in today's game of baseball, we see so often third time through the order – 
manager gets a little jumpy. It was very, you know, noteworthy in the World Series with, with Tampa Bay. But in this case, I believe this was Lucas's fourth time through the order. And this is just an old school baseball thing to do where you just you leave him out there. But I think any of the, the modern metrics will tell you, and it, I, you know, maybe the numbers are, are contradictory to everything I'm just going to say. But you, you can't believe that a, a pitcher over already over the 100 pitch plateau and all of a sudden seeing the lineup again for a fourth time and Lucas wasn't dominant tonight he started getting to a groove as the game went on but early on he was a little bit shaky and you know certainly wasn't missing a ton of bats tonight so I I think that's just another thing where it's a generational difference with with Tony's philosophy on on modern baseball I think most you know quote-unquote modern managers would it would have you know been weary of that and after that walk uh, they would have uh, pulled him uh, immediately let's wrap it up here you want to hear from our guy Chris Castellani at Locked On Tigers he's a good dude man and I enjoy his videos we talked about him during the last show Uh, he had a rough ride this weekend in the Royals series the first place Royals by the way and uh, I I think he would have been pleasantly surprised uh, with this uh, performance by the Tigers tonight or was he let's see that's a W Uh, obviously I'm going to talk about the Tigers and I'm glad they won tonight but that was an absolute clown show by Tony LaRusso there <laughs> oh, sticking no. with Giolito as long as he oh, did. I mean, no. you've got to be kidding me there. He was he had Badu dead to rights about ten times and couldn't put him away, and he stuck with him. And look, I like the White Sox a lot. They have a ton of talent. I think they're probably going to win the Central, but at some point, Tony LaRusso is going to lose them a big, big game because I just that hire never made any sense. I'm so glad AJ Hinch fell into our lap, but that was. Oof. That was completely ridiculous tonight. But Tigers are the team that came out on top, so I'm not complaining. Ah, but it was a bit AJ ridiculous. Hinch. He's got a big Eight, sixteen. Nice. <laughs> He's got a great big, managing. They have they've got no offense though, Herb. Great managing. <laughs> hey. We're giving credit and blame to managers. AJ Hinch, he's a World Series manager, managing the shit out of that Tigers team. Maybe he was cheating. By the way, Chris has a big, uh, as they used to say, a shit-eating grin on his face talking about his Tigers winning tonight. I'm going to say something I did not think that I would say at any point this year or any year. Jose Urania tonight had one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen by a Tigers starter. Now, now don't get me wrong. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Chris. Hyperbole. Wait a minute, Chris. Chris is old enough to remember a couple good Tigers pitchers. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he, he did he miss the Verlander years? Did he miss the Max Scherzer years? Um, what is going Hell, on? Hell, Rick Porcello years. Yeah, I bet Jerry Bondeman had better outings than uh, Jose Urania. Yeah, Urania did tonight. Uh, let's let Chris. So I have his shine here. Stuff. He wasn't mowing guys down, hitting 100, going one, two, three every inning. But considering the fact you had a defense that was on Mars the entire game, I mean, they're just slinging the ball around the infield. Five errors tonight. He was in traffic, pitching around traffic the entire game. And the two-seam fastball is your friend. When when you are working that pitch, you're going to get a lot of ground balls. And if you get a lot of ground balls with guys on base, you end up getting a lot of double plays. And that's exactly uh, what he did. I mean, I'd written him off, and I, I probably unfairly wrote him off after two starts because he was so bad those first two starts. Oh, my yeah. God, he was awful. I mean, missing yeah. with fastballs that were, you know, four feet off the plate. He's, He's bounced back and given him three consecutive <laughs> really, really good outings. I'm giving him tonight's player of the game because that was, that was just a, a marvelously impressive performance on his part. Yeah, I don't know how they won that game. They did so many things wrong tonight. Yeah. Giolito was great through six innings. The offense was comatose. The defense was on something. I mean, I know they're bad, but five errors. You make five errors in a high school game and you're going to be running laps. Is that what they do? I didn't play baseball in high school. I just watched 
it's a win, and it's a win on the south side against a really good White Sox team. That's uh, that's a stunner for sure, but uh, take a deep breath and exhale. The Tigers will get at least one more win before this season is over. <laughs> Player of the game is your reign. Uh, that's Chris Castellani. You can follow him at Twitter, at Castellani2014, and, of course, his show, Locked on Tigers, one of our favorite uh, people, especially in in, uh, in the whole network and in the division for sure. Uh, he's always entertaining uh, win or lose for the Tigers there. So we'll preview tomorrow's show next here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you today by Bet Online. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is in the rearview mirror. But the NBA and the NHL are in full swing, along with baseball. You can bet on baseball every night if you'd like at betonline.ag. As a matter of fact, they even have award show props, TV show props, and reality TV show prop bets for you to indulge in even when you're not watching sports. And best of all, the odds are updated in real time on almost anything you can imagine. Maybe you're like me and you don't like to bet on baseball. Maybe you follow the markets and you want to place a bet on how the Dow is going to perform. You can do that at betonline.ag. You can bet on the New York Lottery on betonline.ag. They've got everything, even pro wrestling. Monday Night Raw has prop bets at betonline.ag. They've got you covered on all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to sign up to place your bets. And best of all, friends, it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget our promo code when you sign up. Our promo code is locked on. That's locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Tomorrow's show, what we're going to do is we'll have another recap. Before we get out of here, let's just note here the probables for tomorrow. Oh, great. Oh, great. It's going to be Dylan Cease going for the White Sox, and mm-hmm. it's going to be, I had it written down here. Casey Mize, I believe. Yes, Casey Mize versus Dylan Cease going for the Tigers tonight, and we'll have that recap posted at midnight on Thursday morning. So, yeah, that that's all I got tonight, Herb. All right, that is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Me, Herb Lawrence. Ecknerwall23 is the way you follow me. And go to Locked On Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Subscribe there and hit the notifications bell so you can know when we send a video there. 312-566-8727 is the phone number for voicemails. And Locked On Socks at Gmail is the way you can re- reach us via email. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Hopefully tomorrow will be a better day here on Locked on Socks.